Well, welcome to this week's edition of Chatting Markets. My name's Kyle Rotto, and we're announcing a slightly different and better lineup this week. I think we prefaced it uh, in the last episode, but I have with me today David Song, who's joined me for the last couple of episodes, but back from his, I don't know, junket or trip um, abroad, sabbatical, sabbatical. sabbatical. Yep. Uh, Tom Wilson. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I didn't think I'd be let back in, but... Uh, to the country? Well, well both. Yeah. Uh, I thought Dave's done such a good job. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. We were missing your, your <coughs> sort of touch to it. Oh, touch, yeah. Um, Expertise. Yes, and I mean, if anyone was going to get cut, it was me. They left me here to, to mediate this, but uh, yeah, now we've got the, uh, the three amigos to be able to, to chat markets with the world mm. from here on in. From here on in. And there's plenty so, to actually chat on as well. Well, there's stacks, there's stacks. And I think we've got a good little balance here, a good little team built because uh, I'll try and keep this all together today because we've got a lot to discuss. Mm. Um, the markets are volatile, fears are high, traders are uh, trading in an unusual environment perhaps, something that hasn't um, come about for at least a few months. Um, so there's plenty to go through, plenty to preview in the week ahead. We'll have Dave giving us a bit of a uh, strategy and, and, and talk from his uh, experience as uh, an old uh, Wall Street hand, we'll call him. And then Tom, we'll try and get you in there too, because obviously you're on the phones every day, so you'll be able to give a nice little rundown as well. But I may as well just come out and say it straight away. Goldman Sachs um, released a, a report to the market. Don't know if it's just for good PR or not, but the R word's starting to float around, and that is the word recession. Mm. I know, and mm. volatility spiking as a result. Uh, Dave, you might want to kick us off. What's what's going on here? Yeah, I think there's just a lot of concerns that this whole US-China, this whole thing will ultimately lead to not only a global slowdown, mm. but again, is that going to maybe lead to a recession not only in China, but also in the US? Of course, if you watch those GDP readings coming out of China, mm. you know, we saw that 6.2% uh, rate of growth, you know, the lowest that we have on record, and we'll see how Chinese officials will navigate us through all this, but you know, in light of the recent developments coming out of the region, we saw the People's Bank of China now mm. starting to weaken the yuan reference rate. And if you guys have been watching that over the last couple of days, they continue to do so, allowing, again, the sort of fixed exchange rate, if you will, to continue to depreciate against its U.S. counterpart. So, you know, is that one of the measures that Chinese officials are looking at to help, again, cushion the economy, giving all uh, the headwinds around the region right now. So I think, again, we'll see what China will do going forward. But right now, it seems as though I think sort of market consensus is that China's not done yet. They still mm. have a lot more, uh, in, in fact, to combat some of the economic slowdown with. So we'll see what China will unveil going forward. But I don't yeah. think this is just going to be a concern really about the U.S. and China because we are going to see some GDP numbers coming out of the euro area this week, yep. namely from Germany, and we yep. are looking for a bit of contraction in the second quarter. So, you know, yep. it might not just be sort of a U.S.-China theme going on, but again, is this well, going like to be... a spread, right? Exactly. Absolutely. It's going to be more of a global phenomenon. Yeah. And we get, we'll, we'll get on those a little bit more later too, because we've got some um, data that's come out in the last uh, day or so that might be worth touching on, a, a few little canaries in the coal miners, if you will. But I'll throw it back to you quickly, um, Dave, just to, to get your view on it. I mean, we've seen the VIX spike. It's, it's sort of been up around 25 at stages last week when um, the, the Chinese and the US were at, you know, really at each other's throats. Things have cooled down a little, bit, a little, but fundamentally haven't changed very much. But I mean, when you're in this kind of situation and, and the markets are where they are now, where the global economy is clearly slowing down, but at the same time, um, you know, irrational behavior is, is really quite high because of this fear and uncertainty. I mean, how can you sort of wade through that information to try and get back to... I mean, I suppose a core core of where you, you want to be either as a trader or as just, you know, trying to build a view on the markets right now. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously we'll have to watch the data and try to guess on the data, right? That's just trying to flip a coin here. We'll see how the data front will, will continue to evolve. But, mm. you know, from my perspective, it's really about the themes that we're watching in the markets yeah. right now. Like the rally that we're seeing in gold prices, same story for silver right now. We're seeing it continue to break higher, all this, while we're seeing some weakness in global benchmark equity indices. Mm. And especially if you're watching foreign exchange markets right now, I think the big phenomenon going right now is Japanese yen, right? We're seeing that strength there and not only that if you're watching what's happening with the swiss franc as well we're seeing mm -hmm. that major appreciation especially against the euro right now and i think that's one of the sort of themes that are going on is are we going to see some of these central banks intervene yeah. to the currency market of course mm -hmm. you know the swiss national bank has used that many times in the past so you know if you're watching those exchange rates and especially if you're watching what's happening uh, throughout financial markets right now, I think there's this sort of clear theme that, you know, are we not only in this sort of deleveraging or de-risking mm. process, but yeah. are we going into this sort of flight to quality, flight to safety? Yeah. And even so, are we going to see market participants hedge against and move mm. away mm. from fiat currencies, look for an alternative to that, especially as we're looking at lower, uh, the lower rates for, or lower curve for rates. So, yeah. you know, we'll see what the Fed will do because if you're watching Fed funds right now, Markets are pricing. It's like a one in three chance of a 50 basis point cut exactly. right now in September. And I mean, and we've got US CPI data tonight, which we'll go into soon. Um, but I mean, that's a that's an important setup as well. But Tom, I'll chuck this one over to you because mm. I mean, last week we had uh, our dear friend, who's uh, now our editor and producer um, on uh, on chatting uh, chatting markets, uh, Clive, have his first day in the office when um, basically volatility hit its. Uh, peak in the last week or so um, and the room was buzzing and I wish I could say to him it was like that every single day but it's not necessarily um, the, the, the case but I mean our listeners loyal listeners should know your background you you, you traded a bit full-time as a, as a day trader for lack of a better term mm. but you're on the phones every day too listening to clients and getting a pretty good feel for things I mean what's your read on the moment in terms of you know the conversations you're having with clients um, and I don't know if you could just sort of riff a little bit on how you used to handle this kind of situation because, you know, it pops up every six months or so, these big spikes involved, uh, but they never fail to catch you off guard. They, they always do, don't they? Like um, the phone calls that I'm getting and the chats I'm having with clients um, and placing trades for people or mm -hmm. helping them to um, perhaps, uh, I guess, review strategies even, um, is that some of them are unexpected. Some of these are movements like you get news that will blindside you quite mm, often mm. especially trump in particular yeah. at you know really yeah. odd time in the morning um but what we what we're finding is that there's a lot of clients that are still deciding to be quite contrarian to these yeah. markets so yeah. their moves uh down or against them that they think are not going to be sustainable and the yeah. market will like it has in the past yeah turn around and yeah. uh, go their way. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I'd love to talk about the uh, sentiment indicator. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. touch on that, like daily effects, um, they do a really good job with uh, well, reporting this. information, this. right? Yeah. Don't they? yeah. We obviously recommend any time you can get a chance to, to have a look at these sentiment indicators because they give a great read on the retail trade of mind right now. Mm. Um, and it, it pretty much just reflects even what I'm seeing myself uh, mm. as someone who deals with clients. Yeah. And if you go into the uh, Daily FX Plus section, you actually get a really good breakdown of the um, IG sentiment here. Mm. And it gives you percentages of clients that are long and short. And what you can see straight away is that there's uh, a lot of clients that are still particularly in uh, in yen pairs. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you would pretty much say that they uh, are quite short 
on the yen uh, across the whole board. And I don't know if you want to come into this, uh, Dave, but you see them net short across all the, the yen pairs yeah. themselves. Well, yeah, Dave, I mean, you, you're obviously like a, a really big proponent of, of this particular um, you know, tool to be able to, to manage um, your positioning. I mean, you talk a lot about the pounds, we talk a lot about the yen, two different themes there to, to, to tackle with. But just in the context of that sort of sentiment reading, I mean, what's, uh, what's your sense having a bit of a background with this indicator? Yeah, I mean, again, there's no sort of golden indicator or anything like yeah, that. Right. And of course, I think we all need to do our homework before looking at some of these, you know, market gauges and thing that, things like that. But, you know, if you're watching what's happening with a lot of these yen crosses, and mm. we talked about this yesterday in the masterclass, you're seeing these heavily oversold signals on the relative strength index. And again, my personal bias, the way I treat that sort of signal is it's suggestive that we might see this bearish momentum across the yen pairs yeah. continue to gather pace. But mm. if you're watching what's happening on the sentiment index right now, you can see that, again, the retail crowd, they're net long Aussie yen, they're net long dollar yen, they're net long, again, the whole yen pack right now. And again, we're seeing this net short Japanese yen bias going on despite the strength that we're seeing. And if you're looking at you know some of the themes that's going on, the, the equity sell-off that we're seeing, across the globe, I feel. Yeah. And more so than that, this really deleveraging de process, you know, does this make sense that we're seeing maybe carry trade interest really start to dissolve? And is that a result that we're seeing some mm -hmm. of the yen strength? So, you know, right now when I see that sort of nature, and especially as we're starting to see, I think more of a trending market, you look at the British pound, you look at some of the yen crosses, you know, yen was stuck in this sort of range bound market yeah. over the last couple of months, and now we're finally breaking out of these ranges. So I think, again, maybe some of the direction might get a little bit clearer going going forward, but from yeah. where we are, you know, especially when we see these trending markets, I like to use, uh, especially the client sentiment index as more of a contrarian indicator, uh, because especially when we see these overwhelming uh, positioning, one-sided, this crowdedness, if you will, it suggested that maybe, again, retail crowd caught on the wrong side of the market, mm -hmm. trying to feed the trend that's going on right now. So when I do my homework and I look at all the signals that's going on, whether you're talking about RSI, talking about positioning, it's suggestive, again, given the current market sentiment, given the current sort of market themes that are going on, that maybe the yen strength story is here to stay. And especially if we do see this ongoing weakness in equity prices, I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see the Japanese yen benefit against its major counterparts. Absolutely. So it's a good time for that old saying, the trend is your friend. Yes. Trend is your friend. Just very cliche, but you yeah, know Yeah, it's what? very cliche, yeah. Well, the, the trends are there, right? And I mean, we were saying this um, in, in a <coughs> webinar we'll discuss you know, very briefly later on. Um, uh, uh, at the end of the podcast, but um, you know these trends are being supported by massive institutional flows. This is big money moving the market around, and these are huge macro themes. You know, unfolding over really major cycles, um, big cycles that um, are, are really contributing to, to the price action we're seeing. Um, and you know, as a retail trader, that's that's the thing. I mean, do you want to try and outsmart the pros, and do you want to fight the tide on that one, and try and pick off the the winning trade when when you're uh, uh, you know fighting against the the big players, or do you want to be able to try and benefit out of that particular um, dynamic and play with those trends and use them to your advantage? So, those tools there in particular, I think, um, are really good to watch. We obviously encourage people to to you know see if those indicators work for them. But mm, I was going to say too, just even mm. from what I see, there's a lot of traders that will depending on your time frame of trading as well, yeah, there are opportunities yeah. to jump in yeah. and uh, you know take some pips either way. Yeah, um, yeah. But of course you wanna do that with proper risk mm, management mm, because mm. you don't wanna get caught out with some major move that comes against you yeah. and not have some kind of uh, you know stop loss in place. And yeah. we offer guaranteed stops as well, yeah. um, which is yeah. one really handy feature to, to limit your downside. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's different strategies. Make sure it 
fits your strategy, of yeah. course, your trading plan. Yeah. Um, a number of traders that I speak to employ different strategies. Yeah, right. Ones that will suit different, uh, you know, the way Market the market's and everything. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So hopefully you've done all that homework first. You yeah. haven't just jumped in. You've got that uh, written in your trading plan. Yeah. Um, and we've got so many resources on how to do trading plans. Yeah. Uh, webinars, but um, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Well, that's that's a good point too. Make sure you have your your strategy set up and you manage your risk in advance because obviously planning for these things is. Um, or preparing for these things is the best, um, I suppose, uh, form of defense when, it, when um, volatility potentially kicks off. Well, I was going to say even with, um, you know, like sometimes you'll hear people say like, uh, you know, I can't sleep properly because yeah, right. I've got a massive position on. And mm. I think it comes back down to having, having to be able to manage that fear and anxiety is yeah. um, when you stick to your trading plan and yeah. you write it down, you yeah. know where you're going to get out you know how long you're going to stay in for. Mm. Um, but what I always say is if you still want to get your foot, you know, um, in the market, do a smaller size, yeah. do a size that yeah. you're happy to risk. Mm. Don't just do a large size because you think about all the, the profit you could get. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the loss as well and say, I can handle that loss the going to the reward. next trade. Risk Quantify reward. Quantify that, you reckon? Absolutely. Yeah. So even if you're uncomfortable with it, start off with a very small size and yeah. get used to that. Mm. Um, and then you'll slowly start to get used to it and uh, be able to handle that anxiety or fear much better. Incremental sort of gains and whatever. Yeah, and yeah. we're all human. That's uh, that's just part of it. For most of the day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like when I have to queue up for lunch, it's just uh, it's, overwhelming. Well, yes, absolutely. It's savage. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll move on to, I suppose, things that are happening um, coming up in the markets now because, I mean, these are the fundamentals. We've, I suppose, outlined them a little bit, and this is the, the lay of the land right now, but I mean, it doesn't really stop yet in terms of the information we get. Um, I'll throw it to you in a second, Dave, because it um, relates to the to the homeland, um, but we had even just today before we get to those data uh, releases uh, some pretty concerning GDP numbers out of Singapore, canary in the coal mine sometimes, along with um, South Korean data as well, you know, being in that orbit of, um, you know, the Chinese economy. Uh, it showed a really big contraction in growth uh, in the in the second quarter. Um, you know, again, throw it out to South Korean uh, numbers at the start of September for another one that's really close to watch in that regard. But like we said off the top, it's all about these concerns and signals that we could be heading for a really meaningful global slowdown, this fall off in global PMI data. Um, you know, the, 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 bond, uh, the yield curve is uh, flashing some, some amber signals and has for a really long time. We come in tonight to US CPI data. Now, the, the expectation when you take out... Uh, uh, the, the, the food and fuel elements, so the core number is about 2.1%. Now, Dave, take us through what the markets are expecting here, we, how we can set up and, and what the probabilities are around, or, or sorry, what the potential outcomes are to, you know, if, we, if we do see, a, say, a softer number or a stronger number. Um, what might that mean for the S&P 500? What might that mean uh, for, for the US dollar and, and markets more broadly, do you think? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the Fed outlook, if we see some stickiness in the core rate of inflation, maybe even a slight pickup in the headline meaning for inflation, right, may drive the case that does the Fed really have to move when mm. we're seeing signs of sticking inflation? Um, but let's take it on the other side, right? With all yeah. this uh, trade going on or discussion about trade going on, yeah. you know, is that going to be one of the concerns that are these tariffs start to inflate U.S. consumer prices? Is that starts mm. to feed into the economy? And, and along those lines, will the biggest sector to suffer from these tariffs, will it be the U.S. consumer? Mm. You know, so I think those are some of the things that we have to pay attention and to. And we have retail sales at the end of the week too, exactly. which is just chucking in. Exactly. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how market interprets the data that's going to be out tomorrow. Mm. And of course, I personally wouldn't be surprised if we do see 
and President Trump try to chime around those numbers. Yeah. You know, he continues to drive this fact that China will pay for these tariffs. But again, we'll see how the numbers will prevail tomorrow. Uh, but again, given where we are, I'm not really sure if this is going to cause a dent and really spur a shift in terms of Fed expectations. Because again, you look at Fed funds futures right now, mm. 100% probability that they are going to cut again next month. Yeah. So with that in play, you know, does is one batch of data it's going to shift the dial exactly? And and don't forget, next month we'll be getting these updated forecasts mm. from Fed officials. Dog we, wants, right? Exactly, yeah. and we've heard it from you know the the 2019 voting members like Mr. James Bullard. Mm. Don't be surprised if we need more accommodation down the road. So are we already getting hints out of the Federal Reserve that we saw the meaningful downshift at the last quarterly meeting? So. In September, are we going to see a further adjustment with the entry yeah. dot plot? Yeah. Is that what we're going to be facing, especially heading into the end of the year? So, you know, for now, I'll continue to watch again how markets will digest some of the data tomorrow, yeah. especially with the trade, uh, the trade conflict going on. But right now, I really don't think again the broader macro, the sort of bigger picture, if you will, that's going on is. Is there anything that's going to stop the Fed from cutting rates? And yeah. you know, given that we still don't have a trade deal going on, and more so, I think you know we'll see how the inflation again will come out tomorrow. But, you know, from my perspective, I think, again, we'll see whether or not uh, the Fed will make any sort of meaningful changes, especially ahead yeah. of that September meeting. But, you know, given the recent rhetoric, it seems that the Fed will continue to follow suit, deliver, yeah. you know, really what the Just markets are expecting. Markets exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I think the bar is pretty high for us to really see the, the Fed change around or, or change their tune, really, with all these expectations. And, and that's the other question, right? How much of this is already priced into the market? Yeah, you know? yeah. and this this is what we spoke about a few weeks ago too, when the um, the, the chairman Powell um, really stuffed up his lines um, at the at the press conference, which was, you know, this is a, a mid cycle hike, but at the same time we'll, we'll ease if we need to. Markets didn't really know how to take that, and we sort of said, well, eventually, um, you know, the 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 Fed will have to come back in line with market expectations because the market, as far as it is concerned is concerned, needs interest rate cuts. And, and, and the other thing I wanted to bring up too quickly before we go on to say some growth figures, um, you know, get an, an idea from, from either of you, um, is the fear now of major disinflation, if not deflation in, in the rest of the world. So if you look at um, break-even rates, um, so market measures of future inflation um, at the moment, uh, we've seen major falls in those measures to the point now where I think five-year break-evens are below 1.5%. We're in an environment, and this, this, this could be the, the, the confusing and scary one tonight, I feel, is that CPI misses considerably because of um, you know, uh, issues with, with demand in, in the US economy. So let's say it comes in below 2% on a, on a core basis. There's a, an increased bet that the, the, the Fed will cut by 50 basis points um, next month. Equities rally, it gives itself some of those false signals, but it's only because of a, a drop in risk-free rates. And you get a situation where mark this this sort of forward guidance that already gets baked into the into the yield curve into the interest rate futures curve um, that uh, implies what's uh, what's going to go on with interest rates in the next 12 months. It reduces the impact of Fed cuts going forward, which reduces their ability to stimulate uh, economic activity, reduces their ability to stimulate inflation. If that begins to be diminished over this next cycle, which is clearly coming to a bit of a trough, are we starting to see pressures like major deflationary pressures? arriving throughout the U.S. and global economy. And you know what, Kyle, based on that, does the Fed, and I would even lay out, does any major central bank have any tools to really address those issues right now, especially mm. when it seems like, you know, remember the balance sheets, especially for the major central banks, they're still very bloated. Huge. Yeah, and, and more so, I think that's the big question right now is, 
was quantitative easing even effective for these economies? You did know, it did it really work? Did, did it even? And there's some arguments that it caused some of this um, this deflation that we're seeing. Overproductivity um, is you know basically manifested in, in in lower consumer prices for a very long time. This is actually you know not the hair. This is almost more like the hair of the dog more than anything else, rather mm. than a cure to the to the ailment. Um, so, yeah, just want to throw out there because obviously we, we talk about what's happening in rates and, and, and bond markets, which is a great barometer. It does seem like, and particularly when you talk about what's happening with the uh, the Japanese yen, that markets are uh, you know basically gearing up for QE infinity now. That mm. these are, we, we can't even call these things are unconventional measures anymore. Yeah. These these are the status quo, mm. um, which leads us potentially um, to the numbers we get out of Germany. Uh, Dave, do you want to kick us off with that one? And then Tom, do you want to sort of talk about maybe some, some markets that have been either in the, in the spotlight uh, or even clients have been watching um, recently? Mm. Uh, GDP is expected out of Germany to come in weaker, by the way, contractionary. So it's going to be interesting to, again, see how markets will interpret all this because the Eurozone data is actually expected to show a 1.1% rate of growth for the monetary union. Uh, but let's not forget Germany, Europe's largest economy. So again, we'll see whether or not uh, there'll be some fears, if you will, of a recession because German GDP is expected to contract, uh, again, quarter over quarter basis. We're expecting a 0.1% contraction. Mm. Uh, that's after we saw growth hold, uh, hold flat in the fourth quarter of last year. They yeah. grew 0.4% in the fourth quarter, and now we're looking for a contraction. Yeah. So, and the UK know, had their own quarterly GDP data on Friday. Yeah. That was in contraction too. Yep, so there's a, few, there's a few little places around the world now where this is becoming a thing. And that's the thing, right? We'll see how this will translate into the outlook for monetary policy. But, you know, kind of like you mentioned, and, you know, this is sort of what's going through my mind. And I think this is not just, again, maybe with the U.S. or not even your area, but even here in Australia. You know, despite all these measures that's, that these major central banks took and despite the ongoing improvements that we're seeing in the labor market, we have Australian employment data later this week. Yeah, but yeah, and wage data too tomorrow. Exactly. Just a heads up, folks. But that's the question, right? Where is the wage growth? And I think that's what a lot of these central bankers are, are attributing this disinflationary period to. Yeah, is, oh, yeah. we need stronger wage growth when we have tighter labor markets. Yeah, yeah. That's when Spare we'll see the... capacity needs to be soaked up. Exactly. At but 3.6%, <laughs> you know, in the moon landing, Neil Armstrong was, you know, jumping around on the moon the last time, he, you know, the unemployment rate was this low in the States. Exactly. Still 3.1% wage and growth. And again... Based on those assumptions, are we seeing that? And and, mm. and based on along those lines, can we really say what the central bankers did, especially with all these non-standard measures and all yeah. that, was it really successful? Mm. You know, and, and I think that's the bigger question that we need to ask ourselves is, yeah. you know, even if the Fed and ECB, BOE, wh whoever, ventures into more quantitative easing, these non-standard measures, is it really going to mm. make that difference when, mm. you know, we still have the Fed with their bloated balance sheet, ECB, yeah. Bank of England? And that's the question that I raise where, you know, it, if we see the central bankers continue on this path, while we continue to see the lack of wage growth in those things, you know, what's the efficacy of monetary policy, yeah. right? And, and, and more so, what does it mean in terms of the credibility about these central banks yeah, yeah. as they continue to undershoot some of their targets? We're not seeing what they're expecting. Yeah. And you know, that's where I think... Uh, and it'll be that argument too. Could you imagine if we didn't do it? Exactly, Boy. exactly. But that's why I think Dr. Philip Lowe brought up a very good point yeah. in his last speech where he's like, don't expect too much from monetary policy, yeah, right? And, yeah. and I'm glad that he brought that up because, yeah, yeah. you know- well, It's turned you, into dogma, hasn't it? Exactly, because, you know, it look, everyone looks at monetary policy now as sort of the silver bullet that, mm, oh, it's, mm. it's it can fix everything. Central planners. Exactly, but you know what, if you, if, 
if you look at monetary policy, it's a very blunt instrument. Oh, you know, it takes a while to flow through the economy and all mm-hmm. that. So, but I just um, I wanted to, to get your view on this, Tom, because mm. I saw that you popped up before uh, a gold chart. Yes, gold. Um, and that's probably been one of the more um, popularly spoken about uh, markets, uh, just in general at the moment, but also amongst clients because they, they love to, to trade gold. Yes. Um, can you give us a bit of a view on um, what you're seeing there and um, perhaps even a little bit of um, you know client sentiment um, just from, from other conversations, anecdotal, um, around gold recently? Mm. Because we just hit six and a half year highs again. Yep, exactly right. So not uh, this high since about 2013. Mm, the quantitative um, easing days, as Dave was talking about. <laughs> the um, one thing I really want to point out too is as a trader, one thing I always needed, because you hear about all the different news events you guys mm, are talking mm, about, mm. is somewhere where you can see a list of all that coming up. Yeah, right. Because there's so many opportunities where you'll be trading and yeah. out of nowhere something will happen. You're like, why did that happen? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's actually been pre-planned. Yeah. So Daily FX has got economic calendar. Yeah. Uh, you can change it to your own time zone. Mm-hmm. And even all the ones we were talking about just before uh, yeah. are, are listed there as well with what's expected and it'll also update when it comes out. But going back to gold, um, it's been very popular market for us. We've had yeah. um, some of our clients get in at you know very good prices and ride it up to where it is now. Um, but there's also been uh, you know some that have thought it's not going to break through uh, you know certain previous levels of interest um, and have gone short, but have you know perhaps been caught out there as well. Yeah, because um, yeah, you can go long and short on these markets. because yeah, um, yeah. they are leveraged. Just yeah. always obviously take that into account. Like you absolutely. need to manage your risk. That's yeah. the most important. And gold's been chopping around stacks, hasn't it? I mean, we, we've oh, been absolutely. seeing one and a half, two percent moves in a all in a tweet. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean. It's almost like the alternative of stashing your uh, money in the mattress type feeling mm. sometimes, isn't it? Mm. And you and can dig Australian dollars in, in your backyard. They won't degrade like the... Oh, the yeah, plastic, the, the, the polymer? Yeah, yeah, like the cotton in the States. So That's right. Yeah, one, one advancement that we can uh, have on our American cousins here. Well, the uh, other thing is too, like, um, you know, looking at it's lesser well-known is the uh, silver. But, um, you know, we've got the... For gold, at least, we've got the RSI. It's still above 70 it's been overbought mm, since June. Mm. Um, that's the weekly RSI as well, I should point out, just in case, because yeah. the time frame's So a slower important. moving average as well, so really significant. And the last time we saw that signal was in 2011 when mm. gold hit that record mm. high, so. Yeah, the halcyon days of QE. Well, um, exactly. And I was just gonna show you this lovely chart here, and it's the daily chart of, of silver. Yeah. And it looks like it's uh, also experiencing uh, that very strong you know, uptrend uh, up to 1731. Right, yeah. Exactly right. I, I do want to touch upon um, even the, you know, the US 500, the S&P 500 as well. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, on a daily chart, some of the, I like my support resistance lines. Mm. It looks like mm. it's bounced off that a couple of times. Where to next? Uh, maybe that's a wait and see, especially after tonight's data. Um, and also even with the, you know, back home here, the Australia 200, like we've seen yeah. um, also it in a nice sort of strong uptrend, but with a bounce um, a few days ago back at the 64.40 mark. Yeah. And again, it's sort of like sort of sitting there waiting to decide what to do next, which I think again, we'll see mm, mm. Uh, some kind of movement after more news. Um, the other one, which it seems like we always have to touch upon because it's so popular, yeah. is uh, the Bitcoins. Uh, it's uh, still very popular very with, with traders, um, you know, getting in, getting out, maybe capturing some of those moves um, as it goes sideways at the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, as per usual, just always 
you know, make sure you trade within your trading plan and yeah. manage your yeah. risk, yeah. I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Makes those careful assessments, particularly when markets um, that are new for you are, um, you know, moving around or looking looking attractive. Just making sure that, that fits into your strategy, and um, you know, you're taking care of, of yourself a little bit. But um, before we um, send this out for another week and a, another successful podcast with the with a new trio lineup, um, I mean, we've got a lot of things going on at the moment. Um, it can be hard to see the the trees through the, uh, the forest through the trees. I should say. Yes. Yep. Is is the same. Um, Tom, anything you can just quickly put a bow on um, things right now, just in terms of um, trader psychology, just for those who aren't aware, Tom has a bit of a psychology background in terms of his education um, and, and a bit of experience with the trading. Anything you could just sort of throw out there, just uh, in terms of your personal experience to, to know how to wade through this um, volatile environment um, at, uh, at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does come back to some of the stuff I always keep harping on about, but you know, definitely don't take trades just for the fun of it. Yeah. Um, you know, you might see a market rally quite quickly and you think this is a great opportunity to go short, but look at your trading strategy and see if that fits within your trading plan. Yeah. So, um, you know, plan the trade, trade the plan. Got yeah. heaps of these little uh, sayings up my sleeve. Yeah. I've actually yeah. written on my... Um, well, you've got the tattooed on there. Which tattooed, is, actually. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, Still all over. mine. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the other thing is basically just if you are in a losing trade, mm. um, you know, you've got to have and out you don't want to get stuck into something and you know there's people who can get stuck in say when Mm. gold uh, sorry Aussie dollar was at one uh, at parity and they still might be holding on to that uh, that long trade waiting for it to come back so you know don't be afraid to to cut your losses especially if you've got that risk reward ratio sorted Um, because it's always a matter of staying in the game going on to the next trade that's the most important thing and it's going to be exactly there's always going to be opportunities like the start of this year, we didn't see too much volatility and it's come yep. back. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's a great time to be, to be trading. To watch well. those opportunities. It almost, almost reminds me of that last scene in Pulp Fiction with the MacGuffin, you know what I mean? Where they say, you're long to be cool. It's like sometimes you just got to stop, chill out, walk away when Samuel L. Jackson tells you to. Yes. Um, Dave, put a little bow on it from a market perspective before I um, do the plugs. Bit of a freestyle for us. Again, we're only a day into the week, effectively, a day and a half, we'll call it. Um, stack of data, plenty of you know opportunities uh, in the market. There's going to be volatility. What are you seeing? Give us a read. How how can we sort of, I suppose, put this um, put this into a nice package with a bow on top of it right now? Yeah, I think it's very important to really identify the market conditions that we face at the moment right now. And and, and you know, there's so many stories, headlines to watch. You know, it might be a little bit difficult to stay abreast on everything, but you know, that's why I think looking at price probably the best indicator at the moment. And when you're watching some of these themes, how, again, bit of a spill in global equities markets, we're seeing gold, silver prices rally, the Japanese yen is strengthening. And if you're watching what's happening with the Swiss franc, you know, we're seeing an appreciation there as well, while the greenback, I think, holding up fairly nicely against especially its emerging market counterparts. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to tie it all up, are we going to see a flight to quality, flight Mm -hmm. to safety? And not only that is, are we going to see securities such as you know, gold, silver benefit as markets look for a hedge against some of these fiat currencies and more so on the back of that, you know, are we going to see a further pickup in volatility with some of these numbers that are going to come out over the next couple of days? And especially if we do see, you know, like German GDP 
fanning you know fanning concerns about a recession for the euro area mm. you know more than the euro what will that mean for the DAX what is that going to mean in terms of the monetary policy outlook will the ECB now really have to take further steps you know rather than just throwing out this lending program that's supposed to happen in September so you know it's going to be a very interesting week to see how not only markets digest, digest this data but whether or not really is some of this data going to influence the monetary policy outlook but, you know, like I said, right now, I think we have some interesting conditions to watch. We're seeing some volatility. And again, watching these relationships, I think, should help to keep us on the wrong side. And we'll see how the markets will continue to evolve. Absolutely. And that just means we'll have stacks more to talk about next time. But guys, we'll have to wrap it up there. The new trio uh, for chatting markets, I think it's gone really well today. Hopefully, they'll have us back, which I know they will because, you know, basically, I make that decision. And I've just decided that we <laughs> will goodness. do just that because it went so great. But... Um, just before we uh, leave it, guys, make sure you follow us uh, on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, make sure you subscribe to the uh, Chain Markets podcast going forward, share it with your friends, like it, do all those things that you do do on social media, and also shout out, talk to us, um, bring out uh, any ideas that you have that you'd like us uh, to potentially uh, discuss in future podcasts. We want always want to hear your feedback. Um, but guys, um, for the first time we've had a, as a as a as a trio, it went really well. So, thank you. Yes, Dave and Tom, thank you for chatting markets with me. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. <laughs>